Hi, I'm Sunaina and you are listening to the latest episode of Talk CXO Life. So do you know of anyone who has run the distance of the earth and is close to doing so twice over? Well, that is Vaishali Kastare for you. The first Indian woman to complete running all the world major marathons. You might imagine her as a mean athletic machine to have been some kind of sports buff all her life to have run an excess of 70,000 kilometers. But this petite lady with an iron will and a tender heart took to running well into her 30s having spent her time pursuing academic excellence, a challenging career, leading organizations at various capacities in male dominated domains primarily like finance and technology Vaishali has been among the first women VPs in Infosys BPO one of the first women partners to be hired laterally as a partner at Deloitte the first woman MD at Goldman Sachs and Expedient in India As a part of the Amazon Web Services India leadership team, she is currently helping B2B startups achieve scale and impact globally. A firm believer and crusader of women empowerment and equality, the two causes that are very close to her heart. Vaishali is also the co-founder at Sonder Connect, an exclusive mentoring platform for women, set up with an aim to give women access to the most powerful men and women in India. Vaishali also loves playing mum to an 11-year-old. Krishna who's a soccer fan and to Canine Maxi apart from the strays in her colony whom she loves to feed whenever possible in this candid conversation Vaishali shares her love for running which she took to like a fish takes to water even if it was much later in life nevertheless giving her the chance to explore her third dimension as she puts it running she says provides her with much food for the soul Vaishali speaks of how her thoughts get distilled when she runs and how it has made her more honest about what she wants in life. She also touches upon her upbringing in a Maharashtrian household where her father pushed her to take up a challenging career, her endeavor to help women achieve excellence and her passion for feeding a hungry being, especially the strays in her locality. At the end we also have a crisp fun fact section with Vaishali where she speaks of her love for warm jalebis the business leader she admires her fears and how vulnerability draws her in among various other interesting tidbits about her stay tuned for this conversation one of my absolute favorites with this wonder lady who believes in choosing to be kind over choosing to be right Not think about that. Happy listening. Hi, Vaishali. Welcome to CXO Life. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great. You've been brimming with so much grit and determination. If you really look at your journey so far, you've been leading organizations. You've had the best of, you know, even academically, you scored so well. You you're running like you were born to. Uh, mm-hmm. You're the first Indian woman to have competed all the world major marathons. Uh, you're mentoring women through Sounder Connect. Uh, you're a mother. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> to attain such balance, you ought to have freedom of the highest degree. but paradoxically it could also mean that you know you're in a way slavish to 
that every tick of the clock. Mm. So how do you perceive this? The way I like to look at it, and perhaps you get a little bit more wisdom as you grow older and you begin to realize that there is uh, only a limited amount of time that you're going to have in your life and in this world, you know, if I were to be a little more philosophical. And when you think about time as being a finite resource, then the choices don't seem difficult. The decisions that you make start looking very obvious and you don't need to put your mind to what should I choose over what. Uh, Over time, you realize that there are, you know, I have realized rather that there are two to three things that give me extreme sense of peace. I try and prioritize my time only on those things. And it's it becomes easier. I think when you're in your 20s and 30s, uh, you feel like there are so many choices and the world seems a little bit more complex. But as you get into your 40s, you realize that uh, you're mortal. And uh, I guess for me, it's also been, the, you know, the passing away of my mother recently. Uh, my older dog died. And then you tend to realize that I'm only going to spend my time with people on activities and things which gives me a supreme sense of calm. So I'd say now it's become very easy for me. Mm-hmm. Life is not difficult at all. Now to attain this kind of balance, what is the journey and the key milestones that change your perspective? A critical milestone uh, in life is always um, the birth of a child in my mind. Uh, particularly, I think, I hate to say this, but particularly for women. I mean, I wish it were more of a milestone for men as well. But in the Indian society, you know, increasingly men are, are becoming or playing the role of equal parenting rather than just being the father. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm glad to see things are changing, you know, in, in the last decade or so, but I'd still say not enough. And particularly if a woman is working, uh, then I think the birth of a child really changes a lot. I mean, of course, uh, marriage does. Sometimes you're living in a joint family. So you do have a sense of adjustment, but there is still a, a sense of self-protection. It is when you have a child that you put somebody else's uh Genuinely, I mean, I'm sure you do it for your spouse, but when you have a child, you genuinely put someone else above yourself. So I think that's definitely a milestone where you learn to, you know, that's when most women, I think, in my mind, uh, struggle to find the sense of balance between home, between time for the child, between your career, and if you have hobbies. That's when the real slog over in my mind happens. And when the child is a little older, I think things get easier, but those first four or five years of when you, when the child is small is when it gets supremely difficult if you don't have a sense of support from family and around you allowing you to pursue other things uh, beyond you know i won't say just motherhood but beyond motherhood you were in hong kong yeah. and then you discovered running there and you were just in this phase the entire phase right of rediscovering yourself yes could you elaborate on that sure So my journey um, into running and fitness started very late in my life, around almost at the age of 30. I like to say that my life was very uh, unidimensional or two-dimensional, just home and work or home and ACADs and pursuit of excellence, which was more mental in my mind. And taking care of my body, my parents were both very health-conscious people, so it was about feeding your mind the right things and feeding Mm. your body the right kind of food. But getting out there and challenging, I mean, being physically active was always encouraged, but nothing 
like taking up an extreme sport uh, that wasn't really on the radar you know right. in the family so it's when when i started working and you know when i was around 30 odd years old that i realized there is a lot more to life and i can't be leading life in two dimensions there's a lot of stress at work you come home life becomes a long list of to do between work and home and i realized i needed to do something else to get just physically shake myself up or just do something for my body and it wasn't in pursuit of a weight loss journey it wasn't in pursuit of vanity or looking good it was just trying to get to do something beyond using my brain and i started going to the gym i got myself a personal trainer i felt really good i mean i felt like why didn't i take this up earlier mm. and then i used to run a little bit on the treadmill and a friend of mine said why don't you come with me you know for an outdoor trail run and i said i'm not really a runner but she said you know it's a 5k and i just i mean it's shocking that i discovered something so late in life but in the first one or two runs itself i felt that i'm going to be doing this for life i mean i didn't even know about the mechanics of running or the technicalities or the fact that there are marathons and races but it was just the purity of movement uh and the calm that i felt when i came back and it allowed me to feel good and feel positive about myself about the day ahead i just fell in love with it and then there was no looking back what did you discover about yourself then so when you run alone i think it's just the like i said the purity of thought when you're running is something different it's you know even if you say i'm going to shut my phone and go sit in at a coffee shop or i'm going to go sit by the seaside and do some deep thinking i think for me some of my clearest thoughts about life or about work or about trying to solve a problem have always come to me when or have mostly come to me when i am running i can say like it's taught me so much i think it's it's in a simple line it's made me think clearer mm. uh, it's made me become more honest about what i want for myself and what i want about life and perhaps it coincided with me you know getting into the mid 30s or whatever but uh, i think if i just to summarize i'd say i'm more honest about what i want in life and uh, i think that is significant uh, in itself so how many years you've been running actually I'd say close to 18 19 years now. Wow. Although okay. I've been racing a little bit more systematically over the last 10 years, but I've been running close to 18 19 years, yeah. And do you recollect any specific moment when you knew that you know you're going to be doing this like it's going to stay with you forever? I think the early days in Hong Kong when I went out with my friend and just did some trail running some easy running on the grass on the roads and those couple of months where i would start slowly going out and running with her and there wasn't any talking it was just no music no talking with each other just running at our own easy pace and observing and climbing up some mountains and doing some trails the joy that it gave me is i felt like i mean i hope i can do this for the rest of my life and uh, i i even today i just always my biggest fear is a uh, not being able to get up and uh, be physically active and uh, as i you know grow older and to be able to be physically active and take care of myself um god forbid that i have to stop running i think that will be a rude shock for me so how many marathons have you run so far uh, have I've you lost run, track yeah i've lost <laughs> track i've i run over uh, easily over a uh, 100 races hmm. of various distances 
I won't count like how many halves and fulls and 10Ks, but yeah, I've, I've run, I think, you know, when I was keeping a rough count, I think I've run in excess of some 60 to 70,000 kilometers, I think. I think I read in some blog post of yours, I think halfway across. Yeah, the... that was a while ago, <laughs> across the earth. So, so how much more? So now I've done, I've, I've run, uh, I've sort of run the, the distance of the equator, yeah. Oh my good lord. Yeah. <laughs> you don't run with music. Uh, occasionally I do. Um, I love to run uh, my short runs when I'm focusing on speed and tempo and intervals. I don't like to run with music. But if I'm doing a long run like a 20k, uh, I like to listen to music. Okay. And I think that's the only time perhaps that I really feel uh, I'm putting on music and listening to it. Uh, otherwise, I mean, I enjoy music. But uh, given that there is so much to read every day, i, I Somehow I'm not spending enough time on music and I do enjoy music. So I try and use the long run uh, as an excuse to put on some music. And, and what do you listen to? I listen to anything. Anything from Taylor Swift to Sufi music to Sufi too. Bollywood. Anything which uh, I feel calms my mind. Sometimes it's peppy, sometimes it's soulful. Uh, but whatever... Uh, catches my fancy. And what about the 42 and the ultras and how do you push yourself there? So again, uh, you know, especially when I'm doing like a 42K or a 100K, which I've done, I've done the comrades, which is 90K, I think I need my music then. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people say that, uh, you know, run music distracts you, but there are certain runs which you need a little bit of distraction, which is when you're going to run 10 hours and do 100K, then I think music is helpful. But the most important thing, um, especially when you're doing, I mean, I'd say, you know, for a, for a for a person who's just started running, even 5K feels like an ultra, you mm. know. Uh, so I would hate to say that you're, a, you know, it's a 5K run, it should be easy. I'm, I'm no one to judge. For, for some people, even a 100K is easy. For some people, even a 5K is difficult. But I think what keeps people going uh, and what keeps particularly me going, I've realized that I don't really have athletic genes mm. and I can't compare myself to a super, super, I mean, I'm a very fit person. Um, I have, I mean, if you, if, if you look at me, you'll say, okay, you know, you look really super fit, but I'm not that athletic. Uh, I'm not that muscular. Uh, I don't think I have as much short, uh, you know, fast twitch muscle as Rana needs to have. But I think what I have is um, uh, perseverance and passion. And grit is equal to uh, passion plus perseverance. And right. if you just feel, and I feel perhaps in my case, that I am mentally even tougher than uh, what my body is, which is what has enabled me to do what I'm doing. I wouldn't attribute it to having great genes. There's definitely a lot of hard work, but even more than the training, I think when it gets, I've noticed that in races where the conditions are particularly bad, mm. I do much better than what people expect you to do. Mm -hmm. So I think there's just some connection there. Was it an interesting, the most challenging race that you've had so far when you thought that, you know, you just, Perhaps you're going to give up for there. Was there any such moment or you know that to start a race that you're going to finish it off? I'm sure there are moments where things get really difficult in a run. Hmm. And the only thing that crosses my mind is that, okay, maybe I'm not going to be able to meet my time target. But I don't think, and I don't mean to say it in a boastful manner, but I don't think the thought of aborting a race so far 
has ever crossed my mind touch wood uh, <laughs> okay. i hope it doesn't yeah, the problem that i have is okay maybe i you know the weather is not too good or my body doesn't feel 100% and i'm going to miss the target that i set in my mind uh and then i it it doesn't feel good it it it's a downer but then uh, you do your best <laughs> so uh, you know the run less run faster program yes. i've i've read a little bit of what yes. you said yes. could you explain a little bit about that sure. as well It'd be very interesting yeah. so i think this is a program i came across um, maybe 7 8 years ago it's a program which is specifically designed for people two fold ones for people who don't have the ability to go out and run like five or six days a week and the second is for people who genuinely have very busy lives and very busy jobs mm-hmm. so there's a lot of scientific research which went into it and it's a program which is designed for you to run just three or four days a week okay. but each run is very meaningful in achieving a specific purpose and i particularly feel that as people enter their 40s um just doing mindless miles is not going to make you a faster runner uh, so which is why i experimented with this and um, even today i wouldn't say i exactly follow it but i loosely follow it my mileage is never extremely high my mileage is perhaps a little bit on the lower side but every run is a very meaningful run so so what is this programming so it, it uh, so there is an institute called the ferman institute in the us they designed okay. the program okay. and uh, there's an app as well there's a book uh, which you can follow and it gives by you by the same name it's okay. called the run less run faster and you can ask them or they design a plan which is specifically suited for you based upon what your um, you know current timings are what your vo2 max is so it's a little scientific and customized uh, to ensure that if you have minimal time and you still want to train for a marathon how do you do it that must be <laughs> god send i think like i i hope so. biblical thoughts <laughs> so now i read one very interesting thing you said that you know we may not be born to run but we can adapt ourselves to Absolutely. What did you mean by I mean what do you really mean by that? You know when you do research maybe a million years ago or maybe as recently as 200 years ago that human beings were born to sprint short distances as we went i mean earlier we would um, go on all our fours and hunt for um, bodies of dead animals and scavenge off the leftovers uh, as we started becoming more erect then we could walk and then we could run and perhaps then we started realizing or you know it was it was sort of feeding off each other that if we wanted to really catch fresh food then we would have to outrun the animal mm-hmm. and we won't have to feed off cadavers and that is how we started becoming more erect we started sprinting throwing arrows to catch our foods and that's how running evolved but we were not really meant to run extremely short long distances we were meant to sprint throw an arrow and catch the animal and eat it mm-hmm. so running evolved and happened to us over our time but we realized that it's going to help us to get food so we may not have been born to run but we made it our business Right, right. And you also told about how the mind is very powerful. And I think you also mentioned somewhere that how your after a certain point it's your heart that also takes yes, over for the seven yes, k. Yes. So how about that? As in, how do you? I mean, there's a very, there's a very people speak of yeah, the mind, but yeah. you know, when you spoke of the heart, I thought I yeah. should ask you this. You start the run on your legs, but you always finish with your heart. because uh, so i feel like it's a tr- like when in the early part of the race you're really pushing your legs you're strong it's going well uh, somewhere you know two thirds of the distance then you got to keep the perseverance and the mind going on but at the end of the day it's all about the heart it's a little sublime but you know the difference between mind and the heart but in your soul i mean right, if it is genuinely going to give you so much joy mm-hmm. then you will definitely finish the task that you started 
and if there is going to be no joy then your soul and your mind will talk to each other and say your legs are too tired let's call it a wrap so what's the most uh, some of the most memorable uh, runs that you had anything that strikes through or very difficult runs i'd say like you know i think the boston marathon particularly is quite close to my heart because mm-hmm. it's a race where you have to qualify and meet the qualifications in your mm-hmm. age group again i'd say it's the qualifications are a little easier for women uh, they are far tougher for men but the race is designed that way because till 1967 women were not allowed right. to run that race and now they want a level playing field they want women to run so it's definitely a little easier but i'd say for me uh, boston always feels a little special because you feel like you just haven't signed up and paid the money and showed up it's like you've earned your spot to be there mm. and rub shoulders with you know uh, some of the best amateur runners in the world you need to be within you know 5 to 10% of your uh, top of your age group and you have to earn that spot year on year so somehow boston feels um, a little special Right. And has your uh, timing also I mean do you work on your time as well the goals I do so I mean I went through this phase where um, I was earlier only focused on the 10k and the half when I did well um, I I took a lot of time to graduate to the full today most runners feel oh I've done a great 10k I'm going to go do the full but for me it was a very very slow process again after I did the f- my first full I went back to the 10 and the half to build a stronger base and came back and did better. So uh I am now at a stage where I have finished many of the races that runners aspire to do. I've done ultra marathons, I've done the Comrades back to back, I've done the World Majors. So currently I'm at a phase where I'm consolidating going back to shorter distances so that I can build speed. Uh, so I think it goes in cycles. Um I uh, I'm surprised that I still continue to uh, get a personal best. and improve marginally you know year on year it does get tougher as you get older but uh, fingers crossed <laughs> so uh, in terms of the journey itself uh, which is the most interesting of you know the most challenging thing for you as a runner i think yeah so i think organically it happens but uh, i don't think uh, adding distance made me more uncomfortable i mean fortunately i'm blessed with being very lightweight so perhaps the pounding you know doesn't take a toll on me plus i'm ensure that i do a lot of strength training to support my running i'm i'm wise in the sense that i know i need to uh, do a cross training ensure that my uh, core is strong my glutes are strong so i do a lot of strength training to supplement my running so fortunately i mean of course i've had stages where i've had some injury yeah. but it hasn't been debilitating and it hasn't put me off running for a long time uh the tough part i think uh, is ensuring that running you can keep running integrated in your life and still have a wholesome life because i know some people who give up running because it interferes with too many things to do mm-hmm. i know other people who have just even amateur runners who made running their life and cut off everything else so i think the what's challenging is to stay good at it to stay committed to continue to enjoy the po- sport but have it as a part of your overall life which makes your life richer without cutting off other parts of your life i think that today is a challenge that many people uh, would face and i continue to like how do you keep it all together mm-hmm. without uh, without uh, busting any other part right. of your life right 
and i don't know how you do do it <laughs> i just try <laughs> there are days when it's great there are days when it's not so good and then you have to recognize that this is a phase and find other ways uh, you know to compensate and come back what is the dietary regime you follow is there a particular one for the races and one that you kind of chill out at no i i'm i'm a uh, i mean quite I, in control yeah fortunately i don't really have any bad habits like drinking or smoking i'm a teetotaler i in genuinely enjoy eating nutritious food so for me uh, perhaps the only vice is as i've grown older i've realized that i do I enjoy a little bit of mithai i, oh, I don't okay. enjoy cakes and ice creams but indian mithai is something that okay. i like my cheat would be that you know just have some mithai <laughs> or something like that but on an average i am um, a fairly healthy eat i mean i liked when i look at my plate i like to see you know i hope there is enough nutrition on the food uh, i don't count my calories i don't count how much i eat or how many times a day i eat when i'm hungry i eat i don't believe in starving myself but i you know my dinner is usually done by 7 o'clock and uh, i like to eat you know frequent small meals through the day i do lots of fruits vegetables uh, a little bit of salmon but i eat on intuition based on what my body needs and i don't like to follow up that plan and you i mean you maintain your weight my weight is more or less it. unchanged uh, ever since <laughs> i remember <laughs> that must also be a genetic constitution i, I think, think from your parents uh, is it Uh, I think my father particularly but particularly when it comes to weight and stuff I think we underestimate uh, the power of uh, nutritious food right. uh, I don't think our great grandparents were ever obese if anybody trying to lose weight I'd say 70% is what you put in your mouth and your lifestyle and the stress that you carry and 30% is the exercise you do if you follow a fairly nutritious diet through your life I don't think you know you will put on weight uh, as long as you do some minimal amount of physical activity but you don't need to be you know doing an iron man or a marathon to lose weight just following a nutritious and wholesome I'm big on home cooked food right. even if I'm catching a flight most likely I'll have a dabba packed to eat on the flight <laughs> so I just genuinely enjoy nutritious food uh, I'm sure if I were to just have a lifestyle which uh, makes me eat out a lot and not exercise I'm I'm sure I would put on weight <laughs> okay I mean we spoke of mithai we spoke of parents and I just completely I just forgot I didn't ask you about your childhood so how was it like um Uh, usual maharashtrian maharashtrian yes so a uh, very typical um, you know middle class childhood my father was in the civil services uh, my mom uh, was a phd but chose to uh, be a homemaker okay uh, so childhood very warm and loving memories um, you know with my parents i have an older brother who is now settled in the us and uh, does he run uh, no he doesn't <laughs> he does gym but he doesn't run okay my childhood i think was mostly spent in not early childhood i think early childhood was a lot more fun and games but um, as i you know entered uh, say my teens somewhere it was aligning myself to uh, realize that one needs to be focusing on academic excellence mm. and it came it didn't come due to a dictat of my parents it came more from within that the the goal to uh, to success uh, comes through uh, through academic pursuit so i to the surprise of my parents i really threw myself into my studies from 6th or 7th grade till then i was like okay you study you play you do a lot of things uh, but from from the time i aged of say 12 or 13 i really 
wanted to be academically excellent and i still don't know what the reason is and i look back but mm-hmm. it was just a feeling that it's it's good to do and perhaps it's a little bit about what you saw your you know my the older peers. brother okay. uh, went to iit uh, you know at every family gathering we would talk a lot about who's studying what who's doing what so i think it was more like a family you would earn more respect if you studied well and you got good grades or you found meaning in life so i think childhood was uh, fond memories of self inflicted painful <laughs> studies <laughs> now you're a mother yeah. you have a son yes so how do you see that uh, anything about so <laughs> no i think this generation is very different i think they have um, access to too much and the only thing i worry about for my son is um, I hope he finds his passion in life. Right. Whether it is to be an engineer or to be a chef uh doesn't really matter to me. Mm. But I'm most worried about the next generation is um the problem of plenty. Mm. And uh, how do you keep the child hungry and passionate and focused mm. in spite of having most of the comforts. So that's my biggest worry. I think he is very passionate about uh, soccer today. uh tachwood he is uh, pretty good at uh, academics as well uh, but i continue to be nervous about you know what's what's your calling in life and perhaps ask too many questions maybe i I'm should i'm sure he is too young right now he's too young right how, now how old is he uh, he's 11 oh and my god rishali his only goal is to be a soccer player but uh, let's see how that he's goes he's 11 <laughs> Do you own a favorite pair of running shoes? I like to experiment. Mm-hmm. So, uh I have uh, used perhaps practically and I think the other day I was just sort of going through the list of all the brands that I've used. I perhaps practically used you know in excess of 20 brands of shoes. And I think currently I am quite liking my um Nike Zoom Flyknit shoes. There's a new pair called the Vapor 4% which was specifically designed for uh, Kipchoge trying to break the 2R uh, barrier. Uh, so those are my current favorites. I'm sure it evolves every, you know, couple of years. And do you uh, struggle with any kind of injuries or uh, touch wood uh, not okay. uh, not as much as I see other people. Right. Uh, I've of course had, uh, you know, uh, occasional injuries and I've had to uh, you know take a couple of days off running but I'm very focused on making sure that I use my non running days on strength training I am very particular about a couple of times a month getting a sports massage to keep right. your muscles in good condition <laughs> so I think if you follow those basics, basics Uh, basic basic fundamental yeah. uh, and listen to your body sometimes mm-hmm. your body doesn't feel 100% and your training run uh, doesn't mm-hmm. go as planned you know that there's something wrong in you learn to listen to the signals your body is giving if you do that early enough you know chances are you will have less problems with injuries right are you superstitious the for a race uh i wouldn't say so. do you have like a ritual i do i mean i think every runner <laughs> has a ritual like i'd like to go to bed early i um, typically will not Empty eat a stomach. very uh, no i will not eat a very heavy meal i know exactly what goes well with my right. stomach so i'll eat that if i'm at home i will obviously eat something cooked at home uh, i like to have a bath in the morning before my run uh, okay. definitely uh, no matter what the weather is i just feel clean over yeah. before i start the day the shower or the shower yeah very good. <laughs> but uh, yeah i mean you lay out your clothes the night before the race make sure everything is there do a visual check and then you know so that you struggle with less uncertainty in the morning and once you finish your race is that how long do you wear that <laughs> you know badge of honor yeah. so it's interesting in india people typically then go home and take off the medal 
But what I really loved seeing in overseas races is uh, people wear the medal the whole day, mm-hmm. and you walk around the city, and people give you a nod, and they say well done, and give you a high five. Sometimes, uh, particularly in the US, I've seen you go to a restaurant for dinner, mm-hmm. and they'll say, oh, you ran the race, we'll give you a five percent discount. Wow. Okay. So I think the, the the city comes together and recognizes that piece of medal that you have earned through hard work, whether it's a high five or whether it's a, a discount on your meal. I think the city looks forward to that and I I hope the culture in India gradually changes. I've been telling some of my friends, yeah. let's wear the medal on, you know, the day you finish it like at the airport people are wearing their medals, boarding their flight back. It's a it's it's a, it's a it's a nice sense of camaraderie right. and uh, you know you feel good you feel a part of a, a community mm. so i hope that changes in india yeah i hope so too now you know you know coming back you ran all the world majors across the world you even run i mean you're running tomorrow so um what is the difference that you see you know in terms of not just infrastructure of course the obvious ones but also in terms of the lifestyle in terms of how we approach running marathon even any physical activity yeah. there's such a stark contrast yeah. isn't it so what do you yeah. think i think in terms of the race infrastructure definitely india's come a long way in the right. last uh, 15 odd years that uh, the standard chartered mumbai marathon started and now mm-hmm. it's called the tata mumbai marathon Uh, I think there were a lot of learnings the race organizers are learning mm. but if I were to just take uh, you know the some of the top races I think Procam uh, in general has done a good job right. across their races because they've been in the business for, for a very long, long time yeah. I've run all their races uh, repeatedly so I think they more or less understand what the runner needs but i think some of the newer race organizers have a long way to go whether it's mm-hmm. in terms of traffic management basic infrastructure the way the water bottle is handed out mm-hmm. uh, trying to make our races uh, more green and environment friendly uh, knowing what the runners would need how it's right. organized the start finish uh, so i think there's a lot that can be done but again running is a young sport in india but it's catching on rapidly because mm-hmm. it's so accessible to right. everyone So I'm sure there can be a lot more that can be done on the race organization. When it comes to runners as well, I think you know, ten years ago there were barely any running groups in the country. Mm. Now, literally every you know pin code will have ten running groups. Mm. It's so prolific, uh, particularly in the metros. Uh, but I think what needs to happen is uh, again runners, as usual, come under peer pressure and do things or add copy someone else's training plan. A training plan is very unique to your capabilities. or they uh, look at someone else is doing the full jump in and then get injured so i think a little bit more of the running maturity is what i would like to see runners develop but like i said it's a journey and it's a young um, sport in the country but i'd like runners to be a lot more thoughtful and mindful hmm. about what they are running where they are running how they are ramping up uh, what's their plan what's the nutrition so on right. so forth right uh, so how would you say running has helped you in your career and personally if you what to kind of summarize i think it's you know fed off each other uh, mm. to be honest it's not like just running has helped my career i think both ways uh, running has definitely like i said i think my one biggest takeaway from running is that when you need to wake up early and put in the mileage the workouts whether it's going to the gym and doing strength training or or going for a run it makes you very possessive about your time and it makes you really prioritize and value what's important to you so you tend to cut out things which really don't give you joy if you're doing something just because so and so is doing it or to give other people joy so in my mind my priorities have become very crystal clear these are the three or four things which are most important to me 
and therefore uh, there is no conflict in my mind in the way that i spend or use my time so i think for me personally that's been a big benefit and you know even at work i think my uh, running or the fact that i'm a runner is now sort of well known at work and it's a great conversation starter it's a great way to talk to clients uh, you know people always uh, want to talk to you about running and want advice so it's a great icebreaker <laughs> so i think it sort of feeds off each other now coming to your another initiative you know right from your heart i think so on the yeah, connect yeah. uh but not for profit mentorship program for women entrepreneurs yeah. how did you come across this thing and how did the name come about the word sonder means the realization that everyone has a story four of us came together um, in november 2015 um me and my co-founders all are doing very well in the corporate world and the piece which i feel extremely passionate about is the lack of gender equality in the country i mean in the world i'd right. say and particularly in india if you look at a uh, woman in the workforce india is actually uh, the participation of women in the workforce is actually declining and if you look at entrepreneurship as well uh, less than i think 10% uh, of the funding goes to female entrepreneurs whereas repeatedly studies across the world have showed that uh, you are less likely if you're a vc you're less likely to lose money on mm-hmm. a female funded startup so we felt that uh, we need a mentoring program our objective was to create the most powerful mentoring platform in the world which gives women access to some of the most powerful men and women in the country and that's how we came together and uh, you know we asked people to apply mm-hmm. uh, and we shortlisted so we've done three batches um, and we've got uh, between uh, 50 to 60 female entrepreneurs who have benefited uh, we raised a little bit of money from some of the corporates who funded us and this is more out of passion and giving back to women um, and i think like i said you know there are couple of causes i close um hold very closely to my heart and one is giving women the voice and the power um to equality equal access and equal opportunity in the country mm-hmm. i think that also should be also through experience right as a business woman and a leader so we didn't really touch upon that could you take us through your career milestones and you know when is it that perhaps all of these Um, kind of dawned on you <laughs> um i started my career right after my mba from bajaj mumbai um i was a gold medalist of my batch and i didn't know any better i said that whichever is the first job on day 0 i need to get that job because that should be the best job so i didn't think much and i landed that job I spent long time at city um in the corporate bank i even worked overseas uh, hong kong tokyo came back to india uh i worked then um in infosys bpo because uh, that sort of my first wave of my career was corporate banking second wave was the outsourcing industry worked um at infosys bpo eventually led their global banking practice uh in india uh, global banking practice out of india and really ramped up that business well uh then i worked at goldman sachs running couple of their global functions out of india as the india md I also did a stint uh, as a partner at Deloitte and uh, set up the uh, robotics process automation practice for them and more recently uh, my experience at uh, Experian as the country um, MD and, and country mm-hmm. manager when i look back and say i was among the first women vps in infosys bpo i was one of the first women partners to be hired laterally at deloitte i was the first woman uh, md at goldman sachs the first woman md of experience in india and when i have this realization that it was just 
those couple of choices that my parents put in front of me that my career turned out the way it was i was never told by my family to take make a choice between things it was like you can you should try to pursue personal happiness you should try to have a career you should try to have a child and it's not easy i don't believe the world is perfect and there are always phases that you go through where you have to prioritize one over the other but uh, the fact that i believe that i could have a little bit of everything is because my parents allowed me and forced me to some extent to really have a career of my own which is why for me i feel very strongly that women don't have to necessarily have a hard career but i see so many women who are educated um, and particularly at a stage where the the children are self sufficient i want the women to do something for society even if it is a not for profit even if you were working 3 hours a day but do something to go out there and be either uh, most importantly give back to the country or give back right. to the society even if you don't want a hard career but do not allow your entire life to go uh, by not going out and doing something that's uh, that's my advice and you're living it i think i'm trying <laughs> I'm you trying. are you are so uh, you know over the course of the journey so far even in terms of the broader definition of success what do you think are some of the most archaic uh you know perceptions of success that we have and that you found redundant i think the most important in my mind is um people tend to view success and arrogance i think mm-hmm. you know people have the sense that someone who is really senior and someone who is really successful right is not kind and generous mm-hmm. and in my mind or, or someone who is really successful is necessarily arrogant and if you are not arrogant means you are not really that successful mm. and i see this repeatedly play over and over whether it's in a boardroom whether it is in a social setting that um it seems to be in to be inaccessible mm. and arrogant to some extent that i think a lot of women have helped to break that uh, myth uh, that it is possible to be successful and kind and generous at the same time and i want the world to know that and aspire to be that yeah not insecure especially not for insecure. women you know not the yeah, yeah. the bitchy if i could use that thing completely <laughs> so what's the most challenging part for you in terms of balancing everything i think there is a little bit of struggle every day there are like i say there are some fantastic periods when everything seems to flow smoothly right. and then there are tough phases i mean i like to you know especially women in their 40s i call them the sandwich generation uh, and now that women are having kids later and later that your kids are not really really grown up especially in your late 30s early 40s maybe and your parents are beginning to get old so i mean i have seen that um, you know taking care of a, a mother who's ailing my brother was in the us kid needs you work needs you as you grow more senior most jobs are global there's a lot of travel and then you have passions you have personal passions so there are days when things seem really difficult Uh, and then you have to adjust and change things and there are some days where things seem to go smoothly uh, but there are rarely prolonged periods of perfect days and i think the beauty of it is that when you realize that this is what life is all about and don't look for that perfection as long as you know you're doing your best as long as you accept your state um, and continue to flow things will be okay that's right now in terms of the philosophy of work life integration you know that corporates also go through uh, you know how important do you think is, is it that we actually start having something in place in india yeah. indian culture is um, very patriarchal yeah when a man 
gets a job gets a promotion is successful the family actually creates more and more space for him to go and ensure that he's successful whereas for a woman um every promotion or every raise or every opportunity comes with a little bit of guilt that is this going to take time away from my family so i think there's a lot of stuff that the corporates can do you know many of the large corporates have tried to institute you know higher women coming back from maternity break or long breaks allowing people to, women to work from home but i think there is a fundamental change in society that needs to happen which we are a long way away from that we are still a very very patriarchal society right. unless things start changing at home unless the family believes that a woman's um uh, career and life um and responsibility are equal to a man's a uh, progress will not happen right. so the only advice i can really give women you really want to have a semblance of everything uh, a lot of it depends on your spouse and your family That's and true. you can't leave it to the organization only right. alone and and yourself too. and yourself please <laughs> yeah so what are some of the goals that you set for yourself in the future I'm at a, at a phase where uh, it doesn't matter. No, no, I wouldn't say <laughs> that. Uh, you know, I, I guess, and and I keep coming back to this point, but it has been marked quite a seminal change in the way I look at life. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the passing away of right. my mother last year? So I have realized that the most important thing I want out of life is to be using my time increasingly. I mean, I've always been this way for the last couple of years, but using my time for things that I really love. uh and it doesn't matter how small or how big it is uh, i really enjoy i mean i'm i'm you know two things close to my heart one is you know women's empowerment gender equality and second is you know uh, the whole theme of hunger uh, mm-hmm. whether it is feeding stray dogs whether it is children but i think hunger is we we are part of a really blessed community right. so things like feeding stray dogs and cats gives me a lot of joy and i just haven't been able to do enough i donate a lot i mean there are several charities that i support uh but physically the act of feeding, feeding. a hungry uh, animal or a child uh, gives me a lot of joy and uh, i'm just just rethinking some of how i spend my time uh and you know i'm at a happy phase touchwood where i don't have to worry about what's my next job going to be it will happen when i find the right thing so currently focus on simple activities like chatting with my son about meaningless things watching him play soccer feeding a stray cat mm-hmm. and going to bed feeling content <laughs> <laughs> sounds wonderful you can come home by the way i got a hungry dog he's Fantastic. always happy <laughs> i love that i love that So we wrap up with this question. What are you committed to keep alive in you, Vaishali? I want to be remembered for, and I, I want to. I mean, my tagline seems to be becoming that if in life, if you ever have to choose between being kind and being right, choose to be kind. And I want to be remembered for my kindness, for my generosity, and my empathy because I think. the world is becoming so fast paced that some of these fundamental things that you take for granted uh, you know love generosity tenderness kindness particularly in two phases of life which is uh, children and old people hmm. um and i want to see if i can live my life truly by this principle of being kind rather than always being right i think i'll have made the world a little bit better You 
Welcome to CXO Fun Facts. Good to be here. So can I fire away? Yes, please. <laughs> a teacher you haven't forgotten and why? Um, an English teacher in uh, 12th grade in school because first of all, when you looked at her, uh, you wanted to grow up and be like her. I don't know if uh, any other teacher has inspired me as much. Second is she was warm and loving and before the board exams and any, any important exam, she would call each student at home oh. and tell them, is there anything that you need or I can help you with? So I think uh, I'll always remember her for her warmth and her love. Okay, what are some of the favorite brands? Are there any you can't do without? Uh, I'm, I mean, although I like to buy a good brand um, and I have a variety in bags and watches particularly, but I don't think they define me. Okay. Okay. Which is your favorite color? White. 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 Okay. Your wedding. Yes. <laughs> What's your favorite holiday destination? You like to travel? I travel a lot, both for work and I try and combine my races with my vacation. Right. But to be honest, my favorite place is my home, <laughs> and my favorite vacation is a staycation <laughs> with my dogs and my family. <laughs> okay. So, uh, what is running? Running is to Ashali. Food for the soul. <laughs> a person who was most surprised when you took to running. Actually, nobody, you know. Really? Uh, nobody. I mean, uh, they just Although said you that... like a kitabi yeah, and totally. everything. <laughs> so, I think, uh, well, I, I must say that some of my batchmates uh, in my MBA days did tell me that, oh, you were so academic, how did this bite you? bug bite you but then when you look at what you need to do to run and or if you look at all the hard work that goes into it that didn't surprise people but but you're right some of my school buddies and college buddies like how did you take to this <laughs> okay um one thing you always carry with you well unfortunately it is my not while running but your phone my phone and i'm trying really hard uh, to not look at it as much uh, and to try and I mean I like to quote Ariana Huffington I like to take my phone and tuck it to bed at 9 o'clock so that I don't look at it until 6 in the morning Does the sun keep saying this keep it away or? Uh, I think uh, uh, you know, it's interesting that when I'm with him uh, initially I used to do it just like okay don't be on the phone because children pick up your habits right nice, if you nice. want to teach them to read you've got to read yourself and I right. enjoy reading a lot Completely. so when we're spending time together it's more talking or reading or going out I, what I've started doing is taking his iPad and taking my phone and actually putting it in another room mm. so that there is no distraction and I am really enjoying that books that you can recommend um, my favorite is uh, from different genres but right. say To Kill a Mockingbird right. I like to read again and again mm. uh, Lean In is a book I enjoyed reading right. by Sheryl Sandberg mm -hmm. I'm currently reading Gurcharan Das uh, Kama The Riddle of Desire okay. uh, which is extremely intense okay. um, I liked reading uh, Thinking Fast and Slow uh, but one book in the last two years that really caught my fancy is uh, Being Mortal uh, mm -hmm. by Atul Gawande and a related book by Paul Kalanithi called uh, When Breath Becomes Air and both are about mortality uh, and I'm increasingly uh, finding myself drawn to uh, to those discussions. Right. If I, uh, you know, if uh, you had a question, um, I think, who would I like to date, right. uh, go on a date with? There are two people uh, and recently I read Michelle Obama's uh, Becoming uh, Michelle Obama. Hmm. I'd like to go for lunch with Michelle Obama okay. uh, and chat and I'd like to meet uh, Dr. Atul Gawande who wrote the book Being Mortal. <laughs> oh, why Michelle Obama? Uh, because uh, if I look at her journey and I read her book with a lot of interest 
although she is um, uh, a black woman living on the south side of chicago and i grew up in bombay and delhi um, our journeys of life mm. and what we wanted and what we believed in are exceptionally similar the one business leader that you admire uh, i definitely look up to ratan tata mm. i think there is something about the man uh, right. which uh, his journey through life but increasingly you know when i look at people like warren buffet when i look at bill gates uh not the fact that they are the, not only the fact that they are some of the sharpest business leaders but what really strikes me is the ability to give away 95% of your wealth when you're still alive right and working hard on solving global problems uh like the bill gates foundation working on ending hunger ending mm. poverty um educating women on birth control and giving away 95% of your wealth and ensuring those causes get solved during your lifetime i think there is no bigger le- bigger leadership than you know the people that i quote and similarly there are several other leaders so what do you find most attractive in a person i think and i say this repeatedly it is kindness tenderness of the soul right. and just being human and being real i find right. being vulnerable hmm. and ability to uh not flaunt but share your vulnerability be yourself actually yeah, is is not something that people show and that really i find you know there are people who like to be little themselves that's different mm. but showing your vulnerable side right. and being open is is really in my mind a rare these days yes, definitely rare <laughs> so uh how do you self indulge given that you know you don't eat and everything i'm occasionally okay, skipping all <laughs> okay mithai which is your I, favorite I, one I was tuckered for warm jalebi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's like my uh, my cheat. <laughs> Tell us a couple of lesser known facts about yourself. I think I, I don't know. I mean, the fact that I guess most people know it that I didn't grow up with uh, with an athletic background. Uh, I took to running very late in life. Uh, most people know my love um you know for animals okay. and the physical act of feeding animals is is very soul satisfying so you will find me you know close to my house uh, and on any evening if i have the time uh, you know feeding some strays or petting some strays and uh, so which just, so which animal do you think you like i love dogs. dogs i mean i have i have two dogs one of them recently died but i am an out and out dog person i'm trying hard to look at the positive side of cats of late <laughs> i'm trying <laughs> you know some in the vicinity uh, yes yes i, 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 I am to. there too <laughs> <laughs> okay what is your biggest fear vaishali I don't mean to sound uh, gory but uh, my fear is dying too early. Perhaps I do have a little bit of a fear of death coming unexpectedly in the form of disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, given that you know I've increasingly seen so many people detected at a very young age right. with life threatening diseases. Yeah, unfortunately that the most important thing I value today is the ability to take care of my own health and die at a time where I believe I have uh, lived a fulfilling life and uh, you know uh, discharge my commitments to my child my society or whatever i have to do so i i'm afraid of an unplanned death right i think you have accomplished much you run the <laughs> entire distance of the earth so I, i don't know i think next will be the universe <laughs> so what would you want your epitaph to read it's interesting you know there are so many things i want people to remember me by and you know none of it i think people know enough about i don't want people to say that to only say that she was a great corporate leader i don't want people to only say that she was a a, a good runner uh, you know 
I want people to remember me for the um, kindness of my soul right and the relationships uh, that I built uh, or people that I helped or causes that I stood for uh, as well as of course you know maybe my career my running but I want people to remember me as um, someone who 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 helped make the world a better place great so Vaishali is what I think Vaishali is passionate and determined and sounds like you and yeah. kind <laughs> thank you so much Vaishali for thank time. you thank, thank you. you so much When you talk to a Dell Technologies advisor, you get someone who understands there's an art to listening and can provide small business solutions that make you feel truly heard. For solutions powered by Intel vPro platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL.